been just such a wonderful joy to be a part of your lives and to have you be a part of my life and the life of our family and your kindness and grace towards us has been wonderful and uh, I had a great, great Sunday last week celebrating the good uh, that God has done here and God has done a lot of good work here and as we talked about last Sunday night, which was an epic service, if you were here last Sunday night, it was just absolutely a wonderful service, we considered that God's not done working. He's got a work to do until he comes again, and so we're just going to have to be everlastingly at it until God calls us home or until he comes again. And uh, so we celebrated the good he's done, the fact he's not done working. And last week we talked about a lot of the good things that God had done for our church along the way. We talked about a lot of the victories, and I told a little bit of the story that led to the beginning of our church and how God allowed everything to come together just so. But the fact of the matter is, as as I take time to kind of stroll down memory lane, I'm reminded that everything in the moment didn't seem as though it was all going just right. There were a lot of times in the course of our beginning, in the course of our early journey, where it didn't seem like one day we'd be celebrating the good things of God. It seemed like that would be the end of the road for us. Every moment didn't seem victorious as it was unfolding. And I'm not griping today, but we've had more than a few moments along the way where I had no idea what to do. I mean, as our church was coming together, there were many moments where it just seemed like the barriers were too big and I had no idea what it is that we needed to do. And so again, not griping, but I want to talk about some of those seasons, those moments where it just seemed like maybe we, we wouldn't be able to press on. Um, I'm from California, and you guys, you probably wonder where I'm at. I talk about so many places. I lived in Korea for a while as a child, but I was born in California, raised most of the time in California, but we moved here from Tennessee. My wife, Lisa, and I, and, and uh, uh, well, we went with one, came back with two girls. We finished up our college in Tennessee. I served at a church there, and, and so when we left Tennessee to move to this area to start the church, we were full of joy and excitement and faith and wonder and expectancy, and as we traveled that very first day on our trip to come start the church, we traveled to Lincoln of Tennessee and it's a long skinny state and it takes you about a day to get through it and uh, on that first day of travel I want you to know as we were just leaving Tennessee to get on the bridge to take us over the Mississippi into Arkansas our truck broke down we barely got out of Tennessee we had to coast into Arkansas and that led to a whole bunch of difficulty just right as our journey was getting started once we got up and running again, we had the opportunity to keep on driving, keep on trucking, and we had a blowout on the trailer that was towing our car. And that's a bad thing when it puts you on the side of the highway at 100 plus degree temperatures with children. That was a bad thing. But I also learned when I went back and looked at the tire that blew out that it had damaged our car in the process. And so here we are just in the journey to get to this place. We've already had a breakdown. We've had a blowout. Our car's been damaged in, in the process of it all. And, and uh, I was beginning to think... This this is, this is not coincidental, I'm sure of it. Uh, when I left my job where I was serving to come out here, I kind of left behind the prerogative of getting a paycheck. Employers are funny that way, aren't they? If you no longer work there, they no longer want to pay you. And so we moved to this area, and at that time, it was very hard to get a rental uh, place to, to live. And, and if you didn't have a job, uh, good luck getting a place to live. And we, we went to a variety of places, and they wanted to know, uh, where are you working, and a credit app, and all of that, when I basically had to say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm unemployed, essentially, uh, that was a bit of a negative. And we had times where we ran out of money, we had times where we ran out of food, we had times where we ran out of money and food at the same time. I would not recommend that. It's bad to run out of money or food, but when both happen at the same time, that makes for a really interesting day or two, and, and so we had some difficulties in, in that regard. 
I remember one of uh, our early Sunday evening services. I did for that service what I do for all of our services. I study diligently. I'm a nervous public speaker. Believe it or not, I write out every word I say. Uh, and so I studied. I prayed. I worked. And I remember one of our early Sunday evening services. Not one person came to our service other than Lisa, Jessica, and Julie, my two daughters and wife. And I'm pretty sure they didn't even want to be there, to be honest with you. And so here we are having church, and nobody shows up for church that night. That's not a really encouraging thing to happen for a young pastor who's really excited about starting a church and trying to trust God with the future that that the Lord was putting before us. And I learned early on that in any worthy endeavor, you can just go ahead and mark it down. You can expect it. There will be difficulty. There will be adversity. There will be trials. And I learned that there will be moments in the journey of all of our lives where we're going to wonder what is going on. And what is it that I'm supposed to do in light of everything that's happening around me? We're going to wonder what has to happen next. And I want you to know today that how we handle those moments will determine what the story of our lives tells. It's not how we handle it when the motor's running good, when the tires stay inflated, when you have all the money you could ever hope to have. I'm talking about those moments that seem like crises moments. It's how we handle those moments that determine whether or not that trial becomes the end of that part of the story or if it becomes a really exciting part of of a new facet of the story that God is going to tell through your life. I would prefer to have a story that tells how God came in and saved the day. Now, as people of faith, it's imperative that we all learn to live for the glory of God and the good of others, even and especially when we're in the pressure cooker of life, when we're going through the crucible of pressure. There are a lot of fair-weather Christians who will be there when all is well, who will say, I'm with God when surrounded by hundreds or thousands of others. But I'm talking today about the person of faith who will be faithful to the Lord when it seems like all of the world says that what we believe in the Bible is crazy, when it seems as though the way will be tough. I'm not talking today about a fair-weather Christian. I'm talking about a committed Christian, those who will make the most of their lives and learn the power of leveraging your setbacks as a setup for a comeback and a great part in the story that your life will tell. I want you to know today that I would go so far as to say that all of us are leaders. In fact, I want everybody to say, I am a leader. Let's say that together. Ready, begin. I am a leader. You are a leader. You need to understand that you are a leader. I don't know what kind of leader you are. I don't know how good of a leader you are, but I know that we are all leaders. And when we understand that, we realize that in one way or another, our decisions in the pressure moments of life not only impact our story, that's obvious, but the decisions we make as individuals because we are leaders, it affects the stories of the lives of those around us. What we do has an impact on people sometimes that we have not even yet met. So today we'll consider what to do when we really don't know what to do. And I want to share with you how it is that we can live and love and lead through chaotic times. Now to help us get a little background to the passage we'll be studying today... Uh, we're coming to a time in the history of the nation of Israel where they had been in, in bondage for about 400 years. Things for them had gone from bad to good, from good to bad, from bad to worse, and from worse to unspeakably difficult. 
After 400 years of living in Egypt, we know that the children of Israel, their role had degenerated, not just to servants, but to servants that were under uh, just absolute torture, the worst situation, the worst circumstances you can imagine. It seemed that all hope for their future was absolutely gone. The level of pressure they were under it was incredible. And God, by His grace, the Bible says, He heard their cry, He knew of their affliction, and God rose up a man by the name of Moses. And God told Moses, I want you to go in there and I want you to lead my people to freedom that's your job and God told Moses I want you to lead these people to a place that the Bible refers to as the promised land it was the land that God had already set aside for his people he would promised it to them it's still their land to this day by the way but he said Moses I want you to lead them back to their home now as you can imagine the Egyptians weren't real thrilled with the thought of losing their slave labor they had a lot of building programs of their own going on, and they had all the free labor they could ever want, and, and they were under the oppressive thumb of the Egyptians. And so they were not real excited at the thought of God's people leaving that place, of leaving the land. And so God, through his leader Moses, brought a series of what the Bible calls plagues, ten plagues. And the plagues served a purpose. You see, the plagues that God brought through the leadership of Moses, it was to strengthen the faith of his people, to help them get a sense of resolve in knowing how strong, how powerful, how mighty God is. And the plagues for the Egyptians served as an occasion to loosen the grip that they had on God's people. It was a way of preparing the Egyptians to let God's people go. And after the 10th plague, we know what happened. Moses led the people, they left Egypt, they headed north, they were on their way, and as they're heading north, they come to a place where there are mountains on both sides, the Red Sea's before them, and they're leaving, but at this moment, a dust cloud appears behind them. And it doesn't take long for the people to figure out, I know what this dust cloud is, this is the Egyptian army coming to take us back into captivity, into bondage, or just to kill us altogether. And in that moment, there was a time of incredible, incredible pressure the people hustled to get close behind Moses but they found themselves absolutely stuck they were stuck not a good situation and that's where the passage that we're going to study today picks up and if you're able I'd like to invite you to join me in standing out of respect for the reading of God's word Exodus chapter 14 is where we're going to be Exodus 14 I'll begin reading in verse 10 and the Bible says it this way and when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graveyards in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? And so they're coming to Moses saying, what, it wasn't good enough to die in Egypt? You brought us out here to die in the wilderness? What's going on here? Verse 12, is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And I'm going to read on, but what a sad thing it is when a people gets so beat down that they would rather live in captivity than face the risk that come along with a life of freedom. And uh, I seem to recall some in our nation's past who preferred freedom and liberty, even if it meant death. And that's the heart, the mindset we are, are all to have in the course of life. But these people were so beaten down, they said, you know, we'd rather live in abject bondage as slaves than face any risk that comes along with living a life of freedom. Verse 13, and Moses said unto the people, 
Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Really one of the great accountings in scripture of the power of God and how he liberated his people but there's a statement just about right in the middle of verse 13 I want you to take note of today where the Bible says this see the salvation of the Lord see the salvation of the Lord how we handle the pressure moments in life will determine whether or not we see the way God works it all out our father thank you for this day for these people for your love and I pray that we would be encouraged by what we find in your word today open our hearts and uh, I pray that you'd help us as we uh, move on in this summer and move on in the new year of ministry that we would uh, do so really with a, a heart to please you in every way and we ask this in Jesus name amen thank you you may be seated well have you ever had one of those days one of those days when you're doing your best to do your best, you're trying to do what you're doing for the glory of God and for the good of your family, the people you care about, you're just trying to move forward one foot in front of the other, you're tending to your responsibilities, you're minding your own business, and out of nowhere it seems that an incredible trial comes pouring down on you. No rhyme, no reason, you can't figure out why, it's not as though you're trying to do the wrong thing, you're just trying to do what life would have you to do, what life calls you to do, and the trial comes. Well, if you've had a day like that, I think you would really relate well with Moses because he had several days like that. He had many days like that, in fact. Days where in the course of just going along, doing what he believed to be right, the, the difficulties came to his life. In this moment, we know that Moses was not out of God's will. When this trial came, he was right in the middle of what God wanted him to do. We know that Moses was not sinning. This trial wasn't the result of some wrong thing that Moses had done. He was doing nothing wrong. He was doing everything at this moment just as the Lord would have. This was not because he was leading the people for selfish reasons or selfish, selfish motivations. He was sincerely seeking to move forward in his life by doing all that he knew to do based on what he had learned from God. And that's when the trial came. I said a moment ago that you are all leaders. We are all leaders. And one thing we need to know about leadership is that leadership is lonely at times. Leadership is, is a lonely way to live at times. There are moments where, as a leader, we're going to make a decision based on all the information we have. We're going to do our best to follow the leading of God. And in the moment that we're seeking to do right and following what we know to be right, difficulties are going to emerge. And I want you to know that on your very best day as a leader, there's always somebody in your life that's going to think you're doing it wrong. On your very best day as a leader, somebody in the peanut gallery of your life is going to say, I don't know, I don't think I would have done it that way. But on this occasion, it wasn't somebody in the peanut gallery, it was everybody in the life of Moses. Everybody said, Moses, you've done it wrong. What'd you lead us out here for? We were better off where we were. You've brought this horrible situation upon us, Moses. You've done wrong. What's interesting to me about this is Moses 
he handled this situation in a way that left these people with a story that would change their lives. And he left us with a story that still to this day we're studying. Were it not for the trial, were it not for the adversity, were it not for the pressure, were it not for the chaos of this moment, there would be a lesson we wouldn't have from which to learn. And because Moses in this moment as a leader determined, I'm going to handle this pressure the right way, I'm going to handle this problem the wrong way, because he had the right heart in it all, he blessed these people and he blesses us today. It was one of the most amazing moments in all of the Bible in time. As you probably know, God would part the Red Sea. His people would pass through on dry ground as the Egyptians follow. The water closed on them and, and God brought a great victory in this day. But what Moses did in these moments, that's what set him apart as a great leader and a man of faith. And today I just want to make four statements Four statements that will not only help us see what Moses did, but four statements that can help us know what to do when we don't know what to do. Because we're all going to have those times in life. So if you have your outline nearby, I want us to begin this way today. Here's the first statement. Faith has to lead the way. Faith has to lead the way. Now, with the nation ready to revolt against Moses here and ultimately against God, we find that Moses, he very courageously stands up and in the face of this mutiny, everybody was upset with Moses and they all had bad intentions towards Moses. And as a courageous leader, a man with faith, he stands before the people and the Bible says that Moses said, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. I remember hearing a statement years ago that stuck with me, and the statement is this. Never doubt in the night what God has shown you in the light. And so here's Moses in the dark of night. He can't see clearly. He doesn't know how it's going to turn out. He doesn't even know which way to go. This is a moment where clearly he has no idea what to do as a leader. But there was a time in his life before this where there was light. And it came by way of a burning bush, if you would. And God told Moses, I want you to lead my people. And I'm going to provide for you. And I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to use you. And so here's Moses in a night season in his life. He has no idea what God is going to do. But he has every reason to believe God's going to do something because although I'm in the night, when I was in the light, God told me that he would. And just because it's dark now doesn't mean that God no longer has a plan for my life. He had every reason to believe. Listen, that is the heart we need in times of pressure. And I want to say today this, you are free to question God. You are free to wonder where God is when your trial comes. And when you wonder that, you're wasting your time. You're asking questions that have easy answers. I'm not saying that I know why every situation has. One of the great questions people like to ask is, why do bad things happen to good people? And I would say, first of all, I don't know. Second of all, I would say, I don't think any of us are that good. And third, I'd say, we don't always know in the moment what is a good thing from a bad thing. I've had a lot of things happen in my life. I thought that was really, really bad. And it worked out to be actually really, really good. So we don't really even have the perspective to ask that question with, with any real in intelligence understanding depth but but we have these seasons these times where we want to question God and if you want to do that you may I'm not here today to say that that you can't say God where are you when it seems as though the lights have gone out but I do want you to know today that when you do that you're wasting your time now if you're off track in life here's my message for you today 
get back on track. That concludes that message, okay? And if you're on track today, and you're going in life, and the adversity comes, the trial comes, the pressure comes, my, my message to you is this. You can rest assured that God will make a way when it seems as though there's no way, because that is just what God always does for people that follow him. We hear God's word in Isaiah, and he said in Isaiah 43 and verse 19, he said, Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you know, know, uh, not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And guys, listen, that is not just the message of the Bible so that we can know what God has done. Because in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul who wrote the book of Romans told us that the Old Testament was written for our learning. And as we learn how God led his people in the Old Testament, we learn how God wants to lead our lives in this day in which we are living. And I am thankful that we have a God who has made a way for others in the past. But what I learned from that is that God can and will make a way for us in our lives in this day in which we are living. God can do that. Now, I don't always get it right. I want to make that clear. Uh, I always have a, a short attention span for speakers who make themselves the hero of all their stories. So I got to always give that caveat. I don't always get it right, but I don't always get it wrong either. Can I get an amen this morning? Thanks. You guys are nice. All right. I don't always get it right. But when we were stuck on the side of the road in Arizona with that blowout that damaged our car, Lisa will tell you, we sat there together and we laughed. Now, maybe it was heat exhaustion, or I don't, I don't know, it could have been any number of things, but I, I know what was going on in my heart at that time. I thought, you know, we're not trying to do anything wrong here. We didn't come up with this idea. We're not in this for vainglory. We're not in this for what we can get out of it. We're sincerely trying to do what we're doing for the good of others and for the glory of a God that we love with all of our hearts enough to launch out into the unknown in this way. And our thought was this. If there is this much adversity, if there's an opponent fighting us this much, if we couldn't even get out of Tennessee without a breakdown, if we had to spend time in Arkansas getting things fixed, if, if we've already ha- had a blown tire and a damaged car and, and we're just barely at the halfway point or, or a little more, I thought, how great must God future be for us if there is this much opposition along the way when the chaos comes i'm telling you today trust god he will never let you down statement number one faith has to lead the way statement number two take your fears to god take your fears to god now i i loved the verses we just read moses essentially comes to the people they're upset, they're afraid, right? They, they think this is the end of the journey for them. And, and Moses is the leader. He stands up and he tells the people, hey, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. It's going to be just fine. Are you getting the picture? Let's put the people over there. And they're coming to Moses going, what have you done to us? It would have been better if we just lived as slaves. At least we would have been alive. And you brought us out here. Now we're going to die. They're mad at Moses. And Moses looks at them. And Moses says, relax. It's going to be just fine. It's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. And then the people are there. Moses is here. And then Moses turns around. And God is there. And God has something to say to Moses. And in verse 15, God says to Moses this, wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Now, God says to Moses, why are you crying to me? Why are you crying to me? The word cry here means a cry of desperation. All right? If you're looking up here, say amen. Here's Moses, the leader. 
to the fearing masses. It's going to be okay. God, is it going to be okay? <laughs> Have you ever been there as a leader? Where you stand before those you're leading, and you're like, we're going to get this done. It's going to be okay. It's going to be great. And then in your heart, you're wondering, are we going to get this done? Is it going to be okay? Will it ever be great? But we see that Moses bravely, courageously, honorably tells the people, it's going to be all right. Don't be afraid. And he turns around to God in tears. And God said, what are you crying to me for? I just heard your speech. It was a pretty good speech. You had it just right. You just need to keep moving forward. I remember as we made our way to our first service, Lisa and I passed out thousands of invitations, and, and those were fun days. It's, it's really not fair. It's disproportionate, the number of stories about Coastline that come from those very early days and then the subsequent days, but uh, I have so many great memories, and we would go out into the community, and, and uh, uh, usually I'd walk, and I'd be holding Jessica's hand or pushing Julie in the stroller and Lisa would have the other one, and, and we went out, and we just left invitations on thousands and thousands and thousands of homes. And when we came near the, the end of, of our outreach effort, trying to just get the word out, I remember one day in the house we were renting, there's a little room that I kind of turned into our church office, you know, and, and I walked down the hallway, and Lisa was in the bathroom getting ready. It was in the morning, and I said, hey, honey, I really think that the Lord would have us to take the rest of our money and spend it to send out as many more invitations as we can. Now, that's a big deal, you know. Sometimes you say, Pastor, I mean, are you just preaching or did that really happen? That really happened. And I said, I, I think we should just spend it all. And, and she looked at me, and I'd had enough, you know, really wild ideas to this point, but she kind of looked at me, in a little bit of disbelief, but... Uh, she said, are you sure? And I said, sure, I'm sure. And she went, well, okay. And it was one of those well okays that's like, yeah, go ahead, but if it bombs, it's all on you, buddy. And I was like, well, okay. And uh, so she said, are you sure? And I said, sure, I'm sure. And she said, okay. And when I left that room, I turned around and there was God. And he would have said to me, what are you crying to me for? I thought you were sure. I was. But have you ever been mostly sure? And not altogether sure? And have the stakes ever been high where the decisions you made were going to have ramifications that were going to touch the lives of those around you? I've often said that fear and faith are polar opposites, and they are. They're complete opposites. Fear and faith are the opposite. And let me tell you how weird we all are. In every heart of faith in this room today, there is fear. There's fear. Now, I do want to say that fear is not a sin. It's only a sin if it prevents you, as God said, from moving forward. Uh, fear, in fact, is natural. At times, fear is even instinctive. Fear will come in the course of our lives. And when it comes, what needs to happen is we need to take those fears to God. I like the way David said it in Psalm 56. He said, what time I'm afraid, I'll trust in thee. Well, we could say, David, wait a minute. Are you trusting God or are you afraid? And David would say, yes. 
Yeah, I, I'm afraid and I'm trusting God. And as I'm trusting God, I'm still afraid. And what I want to do is to take the fears that I have in my life and I want to go to God and I want to have at least more faith than I have of fear. Of fear. I want, as John Wayne would say, to see the, the risk, to know the fear, but be willing to saddle up anyhow. I want to move forward. I want to press on. I don't want to quit. I don't want to give in. I don't want to give up. I don't want to stop. I want to keep moving forward. My heart has fear, but there's faith in a great God. So therefore, I want to take my fears to God can trust and fear exist in the same heart yes in chaotic times we'll sense fear it is instinctive but we have to have the faith to take our fears to God and I'm so glad to tell you today that we have a God that's greater than anything we can fear and when my heart was captured by fear in moments like that I'd boil it down to think what is the worst case scenario that can happen in this situation and I found out that when I boiled it down to the worst case scenario God was greater than the worst thing I could think of he could overcome he could upend he would bring victory I wanted to live a life that trusted God and so I would tell you today faith has to lead the way take your fears to God here's the third statement God is never conventional in fact God is the opposite of conventional so God told Moses get the people moving forward take them toward the water and then listen to what God says to Moses in verse 16 he said lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. You know, if you haven't learned this yet in life, let me share this with you. God's ways are often really weird. I mean, really, the things that God calls us to do oftentimes make no good sense at all. No good sense. But God's ways are good ways. They're higher than our ways. I would have never imagined that lifting a simple shepherd's staff, a walking stick, if you would, would prove to be the key to victory. But when Moses did it in faith, it was. You see, the victory wasn't just that shepherd's staff that he lifted up. It was faith. And in 1 John 5, we read this. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Our faith, trusting in God's unconventional plans, obeying what God tells us to do, even when it doesn't seem to make sense in the moment. That faith is what leads to the victory. And God will routinely place steps before us that don't seem to make great sense in the moment. But when chaos abounds, do what you know to be right and trust God with the outcome that I want you to know is literally from out of this world. God can take something simple, something natural, like a shepherd's staff. And when it's used in faith, miracles can be done. And God can use people like you and like me. And as we follow him in faith, obediently, as we trust him and even his unconventional ways, we'll see that God can use us to touch the lives of others. That's just how great our God is. I want you to know that about him. I think of Solomon. And he said this, man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his way? You see, the thing about God is he'd already written the story of these people. He already knew the beginning from the end, and he already knew which step they needed to take. Hey, Moses, move forward. Get the people to step up to the edge of the water. Now, why would God have ever said such a thing? That would have seemed to be a more dangerous position. But God already knew. No, you don't understand. I'm going to do a miracle here. I'm going to part the seas. You're going to cross on dry land. And so God said, I need you to take this step. I know it's unconventional. I know it doesn't make sense. I know it will even be frightening to you, but I'm asking you to have more faith than fear. Follow my leading, because God knew where that step 
step would take them. But more than that, God knew that that step would set them up for steps that were yet to come because God sees the whole picture. So we moved to this area. I, I took an afternoon and I called a local pastor and asked if he'd be willing to talk with me. And, and uh, we started talking. He'd started a church also some years prior. And, and uh, as we talked, he said a lot of things that were helpful. And he said, he said Steve, you just need to understand he said, the way you're starting this church, it's going to take you a good 10 years before you, you have an opportunity to purchase a building. And I didn't argue with him. I didn't know how long it would take. That was not a criteria that I had. I didn't say, God, if you can get us this at that time, I'll, I'll do this. I, I didn't have any idea. So when he said that, I just kind of took it in. 10 years, well, whatever. Just kind of filed that away in the back of my mind. But you know, it's when our church was about one year old that we located our first building. And when our church was 76 weeks old, we received an offering that provided for the down payment on our first building. It wasn't 10 years. It was basically one year, a little bit more, to finally get the ability to occupy that property. But about a year into the life of our church, we located a property, set our, our aim on that, and we went after it with, with all of our hearts. It made no sense. But God's ways defy our plans. There's an old saying that says this, if you want to make God laugh, just tell him your plans. Just telling your plans. Now, I'm not against planning. I'm a huge advocate of planning. But in all of our planning, may there be enough margin that if God wants to move into our lives and mess everything up, I hope we'll make the room for him to do so. Say, all right, God, I was on a 10-year plan here. If you want to speed that up, so be it. And if you want to elongate it, so be it. God, this is, this is my plan to the best of my ability, but I present my plan to you because I know that your plans are always better than my plans. You know how all of this is going to fit together. Moses learned that in chaotic times, God would often send unconventional orders, but our best course in those times is to always move forward in obedience. God is never conventional. And that leads us to our final statement this morning. I want us to see this. Legacies are made in times of pressure. Legacies are made in times of pressure. No captain ever earned a name for himself doing maneuvers in his vessel in the harbor. Legacies are made in times of pressure. Now, God did what he did. He liberated his people. He saved the day. He received the glory for it. God and God alone gets the glory. But I want you to notice something else that happens in the final verse of this chapter. If you'd look down chapter 14 to verse 31, I want you to see something interesting that, that we find about Moses. In verse 31, the Bible says, And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant, Moses. So what happened? The people were afraid. Moses said it's going to be okay. God saved the day, parted the water. That strengthened the faith of the people, and that's one of the reasons God wanted it to be done this way. He needed to show those people early on in their, in their journey, hey, I can do anything but fail. It doesn't matter if there's a sea in between you and where you need to go. I'll move it. I can do anything. And so God was strengthening their faith. And the Bible says as a result of that, they believed God. But the Bible also says that they believed 
in Moses. They, they believed in Moses, the servant of God. Now, I want to be very, very clear. Faith is not to be placed in people the same way that we would place it in God. But this statement simply means that they accepted Moses as the leader of God. They trusted his heart. They trusted his judgment. A different moment. But here's Moses, a man who had the courage of his conviction to say, this is the way we're going. No, I don't know how it's going to work out, but you just be, be still. God's going to work. You're going to see the salvation of the Lord this day. And, and as, he, as he expended all the capital he had as a leader and God came through and saved the day, the people responded by saying, we've got a great God. Look what he did. And Moses, you have proven through this that you're a great leader. And as you follow God, we want to follow you. Legacies are made in times of pressure. They're made in times of pressure. I have found that most people would love to be a champion in one way or another in life. But most people do not want to go through the two-a-day practices of life. They don't want to go through the rigors of a long season in life. They don't want to go through the pressure of the playoffs in life. They don't want those nerve-wracking fourth quarters where you're behind with a little bit of time left on the clock in life. Most people would love to be a champion in life. They just don't want to go through the process it takes to become a champion. They want to be that captain, if you will, that wants to sail in the comfort of the harbor, never braving the the elements that the ocean has to bring. And I want you to see that it is these defining moments in times of chaos that give us our best opportunity to model faith and leadership in a way that touches lives around us. Some of you today, your motto in life is let's just play it safe. And while I'm not an advocate of living foolishly, I think the motto of our lives ought to be let's follow God by faith. And you'll find that as you follow God by faith, he'll elevate your life in such a way that you won't just leave a life that's been lived behind you'll leave a legacy behind that will be the stuff that blesses children and grandchildren and generations and churches and friendships i'm saying your life will make a great difference legacies are made they are shaped they are crafted in times of pressure in time moses lived his life he ran his race he passed on and there was a leader that followed him, a young man at the time by the name of Joshua. He had served Moses and, and was there with Moses. And, and then God said, all right, Joshua, you're now the leader. Moses is gone and, and you're the man. And Joshua, interestingly enough, after becoming leader, was confronted with a similar problem that Moses had as he began to lead the people. Moses was there before the Red Sea, no way to get through it. And Joshua was before the Jordan River in the springtime. It was at flood season. All the snows from Mount Hermon were melting and this this roaring rivers before the people and they need to get on the other side and God told Joshua to lead the people forward again unconventional didn't make sense it caused fear and in Joshua chapter 3 and verse 7 the Bible says the Lord said unto Joshua this day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses so I will be with thee 
I love what God said. He said, Joshua, listen, I know what I'm telling you doesn't make sense. I know it puts fear in your heart. I know you have no way of knowing how this is all going to work out, but I want you to know what I'm going to do with this day, with this test, with this trial, with this pressure. I'm going to allow this to be an occasion in your life where a legacy can begin to be crafted that will touch the lives of those around you, the type of story that will be told to generations that come. This, Joshua, this is the day, this trial, this time, this difficulty, this chaos this is the day that i'm going to use to elevate you so that you can become the leader that i know you can be he said this day the bible tells us about this day in joshua chapter 4 and verse 14 where the bible says on that day pointing back to this day on that day the lord magnified joshua in the sight of all israel and they feared him they had a deep respect for him as they feared moses all the days of his life at that moment if you'd have pulled joshua aside and said joshua you're a new leader and you're standing before a river that's at it's at flood stage and you've got to get to the other side joshua how do you feel right now he'd say i feel pretty inept i feel pretty small i don't feel like much of a leader at all i would have no idea how to get through this i don't know how to get beyond it the last thing i want to do is move forward but this was a man that had faith in god and he trusted god and he took his fears to god and and he knew that god's plans were unconventional and here he is as a leader and as he followed the lord faithfully that was the day where the story of joshua got even more interesting than he could have ever imagined and as an old man now as a young man he would have said this is one of the hardest days in my life i don't know what to do as an old man joshua would have said well let me tell you about that day that was the day where God elevated me as a leader that was the day where God taught me he showed me he demonstrated to me and he said that was the day really for all practical purpose I'd already been installed as the leader but that was the day I really became the leader of the people of God because I launched out in faith and followed the Lord did it ever dawn on you that those seemingly impossible moments in your life are occasions in which God is going to use you in such a huge way that through you, he can touch the lives of those around you? Our world is just in absolute chaos today. And they're looking for someone, anyone, who has an answer. And we're turning to people who have really dumb answers. <laughs> we're just grasping. And regardless of where you stand politically, from the way I look at it, I, I don't know that we've ever had a weak or, weaker presidential field. <laughs> Now, I just offended all of you because all of you like one of those two, and I just told you I think they're both weak. And I stand by that assessment, by the way. We're grasping for straws. I want to tell you what our world needs. It's the same thing our church needs, and it's the same thing your family needs. It's the same thing your place of employment needs. They need someone who will know how to respond. They're looking for people who will know what to do when it seems as though no one should have any idea as to what needs to be done. So, we broke down and had a blowout and damaged our car and had no money. At times, had no money and no food at the same time. Can I tell you the rest of the story? God started a church family that 18 years later is here and people are being helped and he's doing a wonderful work. And to that I say, don't we have a great God? That he can take ordinary people. And as we just follow him. He can, 
he can lead us to these moments that seem like that's the end of the story and it's just a nuance in the in the story that God is telling I don't know what chaotic situation you're facing today but you need to know that faith has to lead the way it has to lead the way and then you have to take your fears to God and you need to know that God's ways are not conventional and the story of your life is shaped legacies are made by how we handle the adversity in our lives that's what your family will remember that's what your grandchildren will remember that's the story that your life will tell not how you did in the smooth sailing moments but how you handled those moments where you didn't know what to do but you learned what to do when you don't know what to do what story is your life telling Moses stood before the people and he said, stand still. And this is what he told them. He said, see the salvation of the Lord. He said, you just watch. God's going to save the day. Just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Had the people not followed, look what they would have missed out on. They wouldn't have known it. They wouldn't have known it. They would not have had enough sense to live the rest of their life in total regret. They wouldn't have had enough sense to do that. They would have just wandered back perhaps to Egypt and had the Egyptians let them back, they would have just gone back to the mundane, routine life of slave. But look what they would have missed. A God that saved the day, that liberated them, that led them into a land that he had promised for them, that gave them an heritage that blessed not only them and their children, but generations to come. Now, I know the story that their collective lives have to tell in history had more twists and turns along the way. But as for these people, they learned that when you don't know what to do, a good thing to do is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Would you all be so kind as to join me in standing this morning? Why don't we bow our heads in a spirit of prayer?